0: Hi, my name is Steve Warren, and I want to welcome you to this podcast. I'm believing today you'll be filled with faith, you'll be energized by hope, and you'll feel loved as this message seeks to transform and empower your life. God bless you as you listen to this. ...about being prepared for the unexpected. And next Sunday, we have the grand finale. Uh, Lucas Defrogue will be with us. He... And Nicola were on staff with us for a long time. And then we sent them off to The Hague to start a church there, which is flourishing. And so next week, I've asked them to come and talk about God and suffering. Everyone say, suffering. Like the weather right now. Suffering. And um, their eldest child was born with a severe disability, uh, which they've had to sort of work through and wrestle with. So I wanted someone to come and preach on the topic who have, has had to live with the topic. Uh, so that's going to be a, a really good one for you and for your friends. Bring friends next week to that. They will be blessed by that. Uh, we'll find that helpful. But today, uh, I want to talk to you about getting ready for something unexpected, which is a little strange, really. I mean, uh, we, we want to spend our lives even... We don't ever want to spend our lives thinking about the bad things that might happen to us, right? That's, that's hardly the thing that you want to be encouraged to do. But today I'm going to encourage you to think about preparing yourself well for the bad things that might happen to you. Now, you have come to a church that believes in faith and miracles and, and God works all things out for the good. I, I, I get that, but I, I just want to tackle what is a really complex subject and try and do that as best as I can to help you. Uh, because it would be denying reality if we were to say that uh, God just fixes everything and everything just works out as we expected it to. It's just not how life goes. So it's better that we get prepared for it rather than avoid it and get a shock when something happens. So whether you've been through a situation where your parents have divorced or you've lost your job or faced a critical illness or a family member has, uh, this will help you in retrospect, but also help you in preparation for anything else that might happen. Uh, I think all of us at some point will or have hit some pretty difficult, unexpected circumstances. Lisbon and I, when we got married, never expected that we would have a challenge having children, but it turned out that... There was a complication, and it was a challenge for us to have children. That was an unexpected emotional journey we had to walk through. And then last year, uh, we hadn't expected that we would lose our 21-year-old nephew to a motorbike accident. And uh, he passed away uh, nearly two years ago. That was unexpected. Uh, uh, We had never expected we'd be in a church as good as this. Jamie, well done. Thank you. When you said uh, he came from C Through Hope City Leeds, I turned to Peter and went, he was promoted to See Through Church Amsterdam. Yeah. I have a healthy self-esteem about our church. Do you know, uh, when, when those names popped up on the flyer, I saw my name and went, that's such a cool name, Steve Warren. That's such a, <laughs> such a cool name. Well, I, I love my name. I didn't used to like my name. I thought it was represented average and I had to wrestle with that with God. Who am I and how do you see me? And came out the other side and now just as he's proud of Liverpool, I can be proud of Steve Warren. And so there's some of you here today and you need to wrestle with that one. This is ministering to you right now. You need to get a hold of I am okay. I am deeply loved, fully pleasing before God. He, he loves me. He knows me. And this is going to help you travel through this particular topic. So, turn with me to a fascinating story in, uh, in, Luke, uh, in, sorry, in John chapter 11. And I'm going to use this story of Lazarus to take us through some things we can learn. Going to take us through pretty much the whole story. So, who loves stories? Okay, we're, we're gonna, I'm going to do story with you today, journey with you through a story, and we're going to read about it in John chapter 11. You can read it on the screen or, or flick there in your own Bibles. It says this, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Okay, so Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Who were these three people, other than being brothers, sisters? They were deeply connected to Jesus, great friends of his. They would, uh, he would drop in on their house whenever he could. Bethany was not so far from Jerusalem, so he would spend time there at this particular moment. It had got to the point where it was dangerous for Jesus to turn up in Jerusalem. Uh, He had become uh, seen as a bit of a radical, and so his life was under threat. And so he would find uh, this household a place of refuge. He'd find that there his fame had real no, uh, it, it didn't affect his relationship with them. They treated him normally, they embraced him, and he found it a safe place to be there in Bethany. What do we know about these three people? We know that they were wealthy. She poured perfume over his feet, and it was to the value, that one bottle of perfume was to the value of one year's wages for an average worker. So that's one very expensive perfume. Ladies, just nudge your men right now. That's one very expensive perfume. Uh, They had some money. We know that they were not married, which means they were either still teenagers, even though they'd lost their parents. Or uh, there was something about that family that was not accepted in society. That could be the case. We know Jesus was the ultimate embracer of those who were not embraced by society. He's the one who includes and does not exclude. So it could be the case that they were actually into adult life and hadn't been able to find marriage partners because they weren't accepted for some reason. We don't know why. But this was the family that Jesus love to spend time with. And so uh, when Lazarus was sick, this was their unexpected moment. This was not something they had anticipated at such a young age to find their brother sick with an illness that could lead to death. And so naturally, what they want is their best friend to be with them. So they send a messenger because they didn't have email or WhatsApp. or So they, they have to tell the message to a messenger who has to make the one-day journey to Jesus, either running, walking, or, or apping a Roman Uber chariot or something. They found a way to get to Jesus in a day and tell him the message that his friend was sick. And then we read on here in verse 4. It says, when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Let me just, let me just read that again, because this, this probably doesn't commute for, compute for most of us. So Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, He stayed where he was two more days. Now, how does that figure? Your best friend is sick. You've been asked to come and see them. You know it must be serious because they're aware that to come was danger on your life. So you knew it had to be serious. And he says, Okay, messenger, send back the message. I've heard it. Tell them it's all going to be okay. I'm not coming. Now the messenger begins to plead with him going, what are you talking about? Please give me some good news to take to them that you're coming. No, no, no. The good news is this. Tell them that Lazarus is going to be okay. I don't need to be there. So at this point in the story, you realize that there's the messenger who's been given the short straw, as we say. He's the one who's been given the role in this play that no one wants to take. He's been given the... The, the bad part in the entire plot. He's got to go back to Martha and Mary and break the news that it, Jesus, their best mate, the one who could potentially change the situation, is not coming. How many of you know that when the unexpected comes, it doesn't, doesn't always come alone? Your parents get divorced. You're living with your mum. She can't afford to stay where she is. She has to move house, and now you're... You're moved away from your friends. Unexpected number two. Unexpected number one was bad enough. Unexpected number two comes along. Now you're away from your friends. You're feeling isolated. It just is life. Sometimes, not always, but problems can come in families. They can come in groups, not alone. Jesus understands that. And yet right here, he is saying, take the message back. So the messenger goes back to the family. And he goes in into the house, and he breaks the news. Jesus says, it's all going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Now, at this point, Martha gets really mad. Now, there are two types of mad. There's the mad you get with a colleague who's frustrated you. And then there's the mad you get with your family. Uh, and these are two different types of mad, right? You know what I'm talking about. You, you, there's a certain anger that's restrained a little bit when your colleague has let you down. But there's a certain anger that is less restrained when a best friend or a family member's let you down. That's when you really let it out. So Martha's really mad. She picks up a frying pan and throws it at the at the um, messenger, hits him in the head, and he's going, what's happening? He's going, hey, 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 calm down. This has got nothing to do with me. I'm just the messenger, don't shoot me. She's really mad. She picks up a shoe, hits him in the groin he is not too happy he's going who put me in this role in this story my goodness he runs out of the place doesn't even wait to be paid these guys are angry And then we read in the story that two days later we pick it up in verse 11 it says two days later after he had said this Jesus had said this He went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he's going to get better. But Jesus was speaking about his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he said, you idiots, I'm not talking about his natural sleep. Let me tell you plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Spoiler alert. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Okay, that just, just park that thought, but I need to just let you know it all works out. But Lazarus dies. Now, I don't know about you, but There are some things that happen in life that we just don't get to understand. It's confusing. The temptation to ask the questions why or why me are extremely strong. I've always tried as much as I can to avoid that. We live in a society that seems to want answers for everything. We're told that the why is most important. And I I don't disagree with that. But it's not going to help you in many of life's most complicated situations. Because you just ain't going to understand. And we live in such a clinical society that always needs the, the, uh, the outcome to be clear. I was, doing, I was doing physics homework yesterday with my youngest son, Ben. Uh, and I love physics. And I love physics because there's always a right answer. One right answer. All you have to do is pick the one right formula, plug in the numbers, and the one right answer comes out. I love that. Because much of life is not like that. Wouldn't it be amazing if life was like that? There you go, problem. Ah, this formula will work. Plug it in. Solution. Fixed. But it doesn't work out. I wish it was like that. I I, I wish I could say to you that you would get a fix in every situation you go through. There would be an answer for everything you go through. But it just isn't like that. What did Thomas say when he faced the challenge and knew the danger that actually by going down to Jerusalem, his life may be lost? He says, Jesus, we're going to go with you even if it means we die. The first thing we can do to prepare ourselves for the unexpected is to say, Jesus, I trust you no matter what. I'm not going to put conditions on it. It's not going to be, Jesus, I'll trust you if, or I'm not going to go, Jesus, I'll trust you, when you've got the answer to the why, or Jesus, he just said, I'm in, I'm all in, and you may be here for the first time today, you may not even know Jesus, and my challenge to you is this, I want you to consider throwing it all in with him, because he isn't against you, he is for you, he may not have all the answers that he's going to give you, but he's on your side. I would rather travel through something with him than be isolated, blaming every circumstance with no one for me. Thomas was with him. The other great thing you can do to prepare yourself for the unexpected is to have people around you. Oh my gosh, who would love to have a Thomas next to their side when you hit an unexpected who goes, doesn't matter how this is going to work out, I'm right there. It doesn't matter even if I'm going to have to take... The pressure, it doesn't matter if I'm going to get hit by this, I am right by your side. I am with you. Great friends will make all the difference. Okay, then he goes on to say this in verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So now it gets a little bit of a theological sort of discussion. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah the Son of God who is to come into the world. Let me explain a little bit of a backdrop here. It takes the messenger one day to get to Jesus. Jesus stays where he is for two days. And then it takes a day for Jesus to travel to Bethany to where they are. How many days is that in total? Four. Awesome. How long has Jesus been dead for? <laughs> awesome we've still got another service to go we're doing well we'll be fresh again tonight how many days has Lazarus been dead for four days so when did Lazarus die Lazarus died as soon as the messenger had been sent to Jesus so by the time that Jesus got the news Lazarus was already dead he was in the or whether he was in the tomb or not I don't know Jesus was already dead just testing you guys. You're really on it. This <laughs> is working, keeping you awake. Lazarus has already been dead for four days. So when Martha goes, Jesus, if you had been here, Lazarus would not have died. That was not rational. How many of you know when you go through a, a dark moment, an unexpected situation, you're not necessarily thinking clearly. It's, a, it's an emotional thing. It's a, an emotional statement. She wasn't necessarily actually saying, Jesus, it would have been okay because Lazarus was already dead. She knows that he couldn't have stopped him from dying. What she was actually saying is, hey, Jesus, it would have been great to have you around. We need people around us. We need to be surrounded by great people who are going to help us through those moments, as I said. But what she was doing was projecting on Jesus her image of who God was. Let me explain. We know something else about Martha from another story. Jesus is visiting the house one day, and Martha always loved to get the house ready. She had the candles out, the house cleaned. She had the meal ready. She was that sort of a, a doer, a, I'll fix it, I'll, I'm responsible, probably the sort of eldest child syndrome type deal, felt responsible for everything. Uh, Mary was different. The younger sister was different. She loved to just hang with Jesus, to sit with him, to learn from him. She was so grateful for the things that he had done for her. We know that because of the extravagant gift that she gave him, a perfume. She was grateful. We don't know entirely why, but he had obviously done something quite significant for her, for that gratitude to be shown. But Martha was the doer. And so she had this image of Jesus as the guy who would rock up, sort everything out, fix it, And so what happens when you have that view of God is you tend to blame because they haven't done what you expected them to do. You see, you will respond to your unexpected situation in the way that you see God. Your image of God will determine your response to a crisis. So if your image of God is that he's the fairy godmother and he will come along and just wave a magic wand and it all goes away, then of course when the unexpected comes you're going to blame him for not doing it. Or if your image of God is that he's the hard taskmaster, the the guy who's out to punish us if we do anything wrong, then of course you're going to feel like, what have I done to deserve this? Have I done something? You're going to feel bad. You're going to feel like you're being punished. So your view of God will determine how you approach the unexpected. Here's a thought for you. Because we know that Jesus deeply loved Lazarus. We read a little later that he wept at the grave of Lazarus, at the loss of Lazarus. We know he deeply loved him. Yet he stayed away for a couple of days. There's some complexity in the story. There's some things we just don't understand. And yet there were some who were saying, we're willing to die with you. We're willing to go with you. We don't fully understand, but we're going to trust. Here's the deal. God is not just the God of the breakthrough, but he's also the God of the way through. He's interested not just in creating a breakthrough in your life, but helping you learn to understand that He's the greatest one to grasp a hold of to help you through things in life. Now, I will always stand with you and pray for breakthrough. But there will be moments where God is going, in this one, I'm just going to help you through it. I'm not necessarily going to deliver you out of it. That's when you need to know that you've leaned into him and you've trusted him and you've gone, God, whatever, whatever the outcome. I'm not an outcome orientated believer. I'm not an outcome orientated believer when it comes to my view of who God is. That doesn't stop me believing and praying and seeing people healed and set free and situations change. But that's got nothing to do with my identity in Christ and who he is. I trust you anyway. And so he turns to Martha. And he goes, here's my moment to test her. And they start having this theological discussion about the resurrection. He's testing where Martha stands. He's testing what she's about in this situation. We may not understand why an unexpected thing happens to us. But for sure, every unexpected thing that happens to us is a test as to how we will respond. God may not mean it as a test. In fact, I think very few of those situations are ever set up by God himself. There's enough evil-hearted people in the world to set those things up for you. There's enough life circumstances in the world to set those things up for us. There's uh, enough unfortunate circumstances that happen that uh, that challenge us. God doesn't need to be doing that to test us, but he does look at every one of those situations and goes, hey, here's a moment. You could dig deep and grow here's a moment where you could take a hold of this crisis and flourish in the midst of a difficulty it's a test of what you're going to do Martha however Mary however had a completely different response and it really touched Jesus it says this in John chapter 11 verse 33 and it's interesting that Mary uses the same words that Martha uses she says when she meets Jesus she says Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would be well. But there's something about the attitude of her heart that was different to Martha that made all the difference. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept him from dying. You see, you will make conclusions in a moment of pain. You'll make your convictions in a moment of pain. Some of them made their judgments about Jesus because of the pain they were going through. It's so important before an unexpected circumstance to already have a conviction. I have a conviction that I will trust him anyway. I have a conviction that I have no need to understand to still depend on him. I have a conviction that I need great people around my life. I have a conviction that God is good, and he's the one who makes her way through, whether I get a breakthrough or not, will not change my opinion of who God is. She, Mary, had a conviction of who God was that the others didn't have. The others were shaken by it, made accusations and blame, and why me, God? Why this? Why that? Wanted of the clinical answers. But she was able to handle the complexities of life because something had happened in her heart. She had positioned her heart. And, and knowing where Mary, knowing Mary's background, as I described earlier, I can only describe it as she was a woman of gratitude. A woman who had embraced the presence of God. A woman who had decided that she was thankful in all circumstances. Your position matters. I do a bit of boxing. Um, I, I tell people that because. It helps me in certain situations. Actually, I was pastoring someone once who was uh, a guy who had been a bit naughty with girls. And I said, you touch another girl in our church and I'll hit you. And I meant it, by the way. I, was, I would physically abuse him. Um, so I go into training for pastoral situations like that. You think pastoring soft and kind. No, sometimes people need a little bit of a, uh, a wake-up call. right? And I would have hit him, actually, if he had touched someone just so you know, girls, I will protect you. I will be watching you. Any guy who starts to mishandle you, they will have to come through me first. So I did 30 minutes of boxing yesterday, uh, just so you're aware. And there's, there's a way you do it and a way you don't do it. Your position with your feet matter. If you stand with your feet together, you're unstable. You'll be knocked around. But if you, if you stand with your feet apart, that position is much more stable. You're still going to be you're still going to be knocked. You're still going to be hit. That's the point of boxing. Uh, but you're not, you're not going to be knocked over quite so easily. The point is this. Mary had positioned her heart. She positioned her heart in a place of gratitude. She was ready for some unexpected things to happen. It hit her. She felt it. She wept. It wasn't like the pain had avoided her. It wasn't like the circumstances went over her head. It impacted her. But she was ready for the blow. Because she kept her heart in the right place and here, here's the deal today i want to help you be ready for what might or might not happen in life but if it does happen i want you to be ready i want you to know that as you trust him anyway you're going to be prepared for the unexpected if you trust him regardless of whether the answers come or whether you understand the why as you surround yourself with the right people as you position your heart with gratitude god's going to see you through because here's the end of the story in this case lazarus was raised to life but the truth is this in romans eight twenty-eight, it says for god works all things for the good of those who love him whether you get the answer you're expecting or not there is a truth that remains the same and that is god is always good or will always turn something for good that you have gone through. We call it redemption. He redeems that which is to your disadvantage and turns it to your advantage. That's what redemption means. He reclaims what was lost and brings it back to you. It means this. I will make sure that every crisis I go through, though I will be better for it. I will not let it go to waste. God what can I learn through this how can I be stronger if nothing else by having gone through something that's not me about I have more compassion for others who are going through their pain that's a win if I've responded right it's built my character in a way that's ready for the bigness of what God's called me to I wouldn't be able to achieve what God wants me to achieve if, if my character isn't established if the strength of my soul isn't robust if the way that I think hasn't been challenged and tested for me to still think straight regardless you look at people of success and you go oh, I wish I had that but I don't want all that comes with it the problems and the challenges and the difficulties because the two are equated there's no great success with the ability to have to fight through major dark moments are you made for it Are you built for it? God thinks so. But it comes through testing. It comes through redeeming. It comes through believing that He will bring something good out of those moments of darkness. I want to pray for you right now. I want everyone just to close their eyes. I know this has been a...